0: Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says this, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward all who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all and in all. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Now, if you would find Ephesians chapter one, it is our book for January that we're going to focus on today. Hey, I'm glad that you're back. Good to see you. Now, we've had some great celebrations over the last couple of weeks and uh, with Christmas and New Year's and all of that, but uh, welcome back to our praise band. Glad to have them back as well. In fact, how about a round of applause of how the Lord has used them today as well. I want you, if you will, if you can find either on your smartphone or on your, or find the Bible there, there's some also underneath some of the chairs, if you can be looking at Ephesians, it is going to be our book for the month. Almost always, I don't know we've always done it, but we've kind of had a focus on a book or a section in January, kind of to set the pace of what we're going to be doing this year recognizing this is the second Sunday of January, but we're beginning this sermon series and uh, as we talk about uh, who we are in Christ or who will you be in 2023? Uh, But Ephesians helps us to understand what it means and who we are already in Christ And who it is that we need to be So we're going to kind of be ramping up and loading up So that we might be able to understand who Jesus is And who Jesus is already in us if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus You will get a glimpse today and in the coming weeks Of what it means to to walk in Christ Now if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord Or maybe you're watching today and if you do not know Christ, it is my prayer that you might be able to understand what it means clearly uh, to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that you also will want to have a relationship. And today, if you don't know Christ, I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit is at work already so that you might be able to know Jesus. Now, I've said that you might, uh, might want to read, mentioned last week, uh, read the book of Ephesians sometime this month. It won't take you long to read. Take, it takes about 11 minutes to read. I'm a fast reader, but I'm really slow at comprehending. So it takes me a little bit longer to read and be able to comprehend it, you understand. So let me encourage you to read it at least once during this month. You might want to read it every week. You might want to read it every day for the rest of this month and be able to see clearly maybe some of the things that the Lord would have to say to you today. But I enjoy reading Ephesians and enjoy talking about the city of Ephesus. My wife and I, some years ago, had an opportunity to be on a trip where we found ourselves in the country of Turkey, where Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor at that time. And so we, we took a bus, and we got on a bus that took us from the coast to the ancient city of Ephesus. And uh, we were on the bus with people we didn't know. There was a tour guide on the bus with us. And as we came to the city of Ephesus, you could see... There's a lot. It's it's a large city. It may have been the at that time the second largest city in the known world when the Apostle Paul first came into Ephesus and began proclaiming Jesus. There's a great uh, library there. There's a great amphitheater that is there as well, and uh, lots and lots of ruins that you see uh, as you come in there. It Takes a long walk to be able to be able to view it all. In fact, there's are still. Uh, lots of archaeological archaeological digs to be able to look. It was the place where there was uh, built there it, the uh, temple of Diana, also known as Diana was also known as Artemis. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world that was there. So this was the city. Uh, been, it was a it was a wealthy city as uh, also and. and Place where the Apostle Paul went on a second missionary journey. He stayed there for a short time and then he comes back on a third missionary journey. And as he does, he stays there for three years. He came and he, Paul arrived uh, preaching the synagogue for three months. But when opposition arose, he went to what is known as the Hall of Tyranus for more than two years with great success and with great opposition. And sometimes those two things kind of go together. But if you're reading the book of Ephesians this month at any time, you may also want to read in Acts chapter 18 through 21 where it talks about Paul's missionary journeys. And I'll probably refer to today and in some in the coming weeks uh, as we continue to look at Ephesians. Probably uh, some of the things that took place while Paul was in Ephesus from the book of Acts. Now, as we approach The city, the tour guide, made the comment that this was the place in which the Apostle John, after he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, which wasn't far from there, it's where he came and he stayed and became uh, there in Ephesus, and he took care of Jesus' mother, Mary, there. And there's a house there to where they are built over the site, traditionally where uh, Mary's house was, certainly, uh, they believe and said that he died around, that John, Apostle John died around 99 A.D. There's a gentleman on the bus that raised his hand and asked the question. He said, well, if uh, John died around 99 A.D., and if A.D. means after death, wouldn't that mean that he lived a really long time? And the tour guide just simply said, well, people lived to be really old maybe in those days. Well, I didn't say anything at the moment. I kind of wanted to, but I happened to pass the man that asked the question a little bit later. And I humbly mentioned the question that he asked about when John died, and he must have been really old. I kind of let him know that I said, well, A.D. does not stand for after death, but instead A.D. stands for, it's Latin, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. In fact, it is actually short for Anno Domini Nostra Jesu Christi, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just celebrated the birth of our Lord two weeks ago today we celebrated Christmas and here we are at the beginning of the new year but you know every time that you write 2023 or that you mention that this is you know 2020 you're pronouncing you're announcing the Lord's birth because all things change when Jesus was born and not only about his birth but we know about the from the birth we know that it points to the fact that Jesus died and that he uh, rose again and, uh, and so we continue to proclaim we continue to celebrate the birth of Jesus and we continue to point to the fact that Jesus came so that we might be able to have life and might be able to have eternal life well in that conversation there we are in the ancient city of Ephesus and my wife and this uh, another gentleman and his wife and then Two or three others began, and he started asking questions. He said, well, you know, the tour guide mentioned the Apostle John, but I thought the Apostle Paul was here. And I said, oh yeah, the Apostle Paul came to Ephesus in his first missionary, his second missionary journey. He came and introduced Jesus to the people who were living here in Ephesus and then he came a second time and he stayed here for three years. And about five or ten years later, he wrote a book called the Ephesians because the people in Ephesus were called Ephesians. And so we began, a little bit of more of a crowd began together and other people began to ask questions and people were talking and asking questions and i got to tell you, there we were in the ancient city of Ephesus and talking about Jesus and talking about not necessarily the city, but we're talking about uh, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. i got to tell you, that's just one of those cherished moments. Can I tell you, as you've come here today, this is one of those cherished moments that we can come and we can open God's Word and we can look at it. Again, so that we might be able to understand more about who Jesus is today, so I invite you today to come to the city of Ephesus, and I invite you to understand the people who live there and what the Apostle Paul was teaching and what he's telling them here in these letters, but don't see it as an ancient letter that was written to an ancient people, but instead see it more as a modern letter that could have been written to us today so that we might be able to understand more of what it means to be in Christ. Others have said about this particular letter that this is one of the most modern letters and the most relevant and perhaps applicable of all the letters of the New Testament. Well, I think all the Bible is relevant. All of it is applicable. But as we'll see, if we pay attention, there's much to learn here about our Lord and Savior, what it means to be in Christ. Much to learn here about ourselves and who we are as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus. I want you to note as we read and as you read Ephesians, and I hope that you read it personally as we read it here as well, note how many times the two words or the phrase in Christ are found in, the, in Ephesians. More so than any other letter, any other book in the New Testament, 36 times in six chapters, 11 times in the opening verses of the first chapter. So we're going to be talking about what it means to be in Christ. And In fact, here is our outline for the next few weeks. I think we've got that on a slide. Today we're going to talk about who you are in Christ, Next week, on the 15th, we're going to talk about who you are in the church. If you're in Christ, what does it mean to be the church, the body of Christ? 22nd, we talk about who you are in the community. A little bit, well, are we different from those people who don't know Christ? Who are we to be? On the 29th, who you are in spiritual warfare. Last chapter of Ephesians particularly talks about spiritual warfare. You're in it. I don't know if you know it, but uh, we're in spiritual warfare all the time, and we know that Christ has won the victory. We'll talk about that. Then on the it's a January study, but I'm going to borrow February the 5th to talk about who you are in your home and your family. And you know that many of you know Ephesians 5 and in beginning of 6, chapter 6 talks about husbands and wives and children and parents and all of those things. So we're going to talk about those. By the way, any of these could be several weeks of messages, but we're, going to, we're, we're really giving an overview and hope that you'll be anxious to study uh, even more on that and then the next week after that we're having a special guest it's going to be a marriage enrichment uh, weekend it's going to be taking place here at the church we're going to have a guest speaker we'll be talking about marriage and family uh, kind of things and so it, it is for everybody to be a part of that so hopefully that's a kickoff for that so a little bit longer introduction today but uh, not only introducing this message but where we're going uh, in the next few weeks and even even for the rest of this year perhaps uh, uh, but our sermon series, Who You Will Be in 2023, serves a dual purpose. And one of those is not just that it kind of rhymes. But one of those purposes is to help us to consider the difference or the change that needs to take place in your life and in my life. In fact, I, I want you to be convinced today, well, I've got to do something. I, I need to change. I need to I need to grow in Christ that none of us are aware we are where we need to be, that we're continuing to go in Christ, and we have not arrived yet. Paul writes in the sister letter of Philippians chapter 3, in verse 12, he writes this, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Notice the word this. Not not that I've already attained this. What's he talking about there? Well, just in the verses right before that, he says that he wants to know more of Christ. He wants to be more like Christ. I think that this is particularly is he's not like Jesus yet, but he wants to be. Well, none of us are all the way like Jesus yet, but we know certainly that we need to be. We need to become like him. And then John writes in 1 John 3:2: Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now, don't read that to think that someday we're going to become like Jesus or be a God or anything like that. But we will not be like Christ. We will not have arrived yet until we see Jesus face to face. I hope that you're convinced today that you need some changes in your life and we're still growing in Christ. If you are a believer in Christ, you have been saved completely. You are a new person. You have a new life in Jesus. And Jesus has begun to transform you, and the transforming is that is a continuing process. It was for Paul by his own admission. It was for John, who also became the pastor of the church at Ephesus, that Paul started. So the title of this series, Who Will You Be in 2023, also serves to remind us who we are in Christ. It's already defined. In Christ, we are a new creature with all the qualities of uh, the attributes of Jesus are already available to us he's already won the victory he's already made us as saints Well, that, that, we don't seem very saintly but because of the blood of Jesus we are at least we can be not perfect on this earth but we can be more Christ-like the problem may be that you just don't know it yet Or we've not exactly realized who we are in Christ, all of that as of yet. Or maybe you just need to be reminded. And maybe it is that we just need to submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus and to be able to follow those things and live the way that He's intended us to live. So Ephesians help us to define not just who we will be, but who we already are in Christ. And like the majority of Paul's letters... Almost all of Paul's letters are divided into two sections. Here we have six chapters, so it's easy to see the first three chapters are teachings, doctrine, theology, telling you things that you should know. And then the last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, make it applicable. In fact, that's all good teaching, particularly when it comes to God's Word. We want to tell you the things that you should know, but you also need to be able to know how to apply that in your life. And so we are you'll see that more and more as we as we. Me move on Like Ephesians also one of those letters to where you often hear people quote scripture from the Bible and you wonder where that is, or maybe you quote it. I know the Bible says this, and uh, so let me just give you see if you know some of these verses. Ephesians chapter one and verse four says, "Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. First verse verse, chapter two verse eight says, "For by grace you've been saved through faith." And this is not your own doing. it is is the gift of God. Chapter 3 and verse 20 tells us, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the powers at work is in us. You, you've heard that. 4.15 tells us this, Rather speaking the truth in love. You've heard that phrase, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. 4.32 tells us, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Well, good, good prescription for us, uh, certainly as believers. Uh, 519. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I don't think I've ever made melody before in any way, purposefully or accidentally. But uh, in my heart, I'm thankful that that is there. And So you've heard of that. Perhaps 520 and 21 says... Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The very next verse says, wives submit to your husbands. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Gave himself up for her. And then 6.1 tells us, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, 6.4. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, nurture and admonition may be the way in which you've learned that. 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Yes, Ephesians is where you've heard some of these verses and quoted and so it becomes important. Also, there's a lot there. There's a lot to be learned and we're going to be looking at in Ephesians. Ephesians, maybe the Second largest city in the known world at that time As the Apostle Paul came They had modern, uh, modern, more modern buildings They'd have bathhouses They'd have uh, some indoor plumbing Lots of attention to decor and color You know, you don't think of ancient cities Having tapestry and drapes and uh, marble floors And all of these things But they had all of these things They had a great amphitheater said about 25,000 people that would be there. I think I've got a picture of it here. And uh, it is said that in the amphitheater that uh, uh, it was built so that no matter where you sat, that you could hear a person talking down below. I had to find out. Kelly and I crawled to the very top of the amphitheater to the top seat that we could get to. And uh, of course, not all of it's still there, But uh, and there's a crowd there, but after we sat for a few minutes, it became totally empty. I said, Kelly, stay right here. And I ran down, got on stage there, began to read Acts chapter 19, where it talks about Paul being in Ephesus and mentions this amphitheater, and uh, she could hear every word. As I read the chapter and came toward the end of the as I, about the middle of the chapter, more and more people started coming in. In fact, a pretty large crowd. They just stopped while I was reading. And, uh, and as soon as I got through, a man came out. He was playing a what I call a uh, uh, mouth harp. And uh, he, was playing, pray, he was playing, Kelly will remember, but I think it was Amazing Grace. And then everybody started singing Amazing Grace. Again, it was one of those moments. I like Ephesus. I like talking about Ephesians. I invite you to come along. Some of you have been there. I invite you to come into Ephesus. Now, you need to know the culture of Ephesus it was filled with idolatry and materialism. Some of the opposition of Paul was due to the fact that people were becoming believers so they were no longer buying the idols that were being made. And so the opposition came from the silversmiths and those who made the idols. Now listen, people may not, may not care about what you believe, but you start messing with their economy and there's going to be some opposition that is taking place. Sexual promiscuity was rampant, some due to religious practice and some of it due certainly just to paganism. Too much emphasis on education devoid of God. And a worship or a dependence on political figures. Now, wait, are we talking about Ephesus or America? Well, you get the point today that this is a letter for today. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a typical greeting that's taking place. He said, "Paul, an apostle called by Jesus on the Damascus road, commissioned by Him." He he uh, writes to the saints who are in Ephesus. You might say, "Well, that leaves me out right there." If he's talking to saints, but we understand we only are. It means set apart, but we only can be called saints because of the righteousness. That has been made possible because of the blood of Jesus. Those who are faithful in Christ Jesus and believers, it's it's a characteristic that we're to be faithful in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God. It's just the, the typical, it's the signature of Paul. It's how he signs his letters grace and peace. But it's not just that, it's a reminder about unmerited favor that comes from God, about the peace that the angels proclaimed as they came before the shepherds and said, Peace to all who are. Uh, who find favor with God Ephesians 1-3 begins with a declaration of praise to God and all of his blessings to believers now in the original language verses 3-14 through 14 is one sentence in the original language comma after comma I, I can remember being having to write compositions and sometimes I would write and I thought they were very impressive sentences with lots of commas and few periods and it would come back with red ink all dripping from that very thing but here, this is the Word of God. And as Paul writes this masterful description of what it means to live for Christ, it's as if Paul begins to give a description of praise to God and the blessings for believers. And he cannot pause enough to put a period or to stop. But he, just a, maybe a comma there probably wasn't used in the original language, but just to, time and again to continue to say all of who praise for who God is and what He has done and the attribute after attribute of the goodness of God. When he finally puts a period on this section at the end of verse 14, he and we realize he's only scratched the surface of our amazing God. Chapter 1 is easy enough to outline. Verses 1 through 2 are the greeting. Verses 3 through 14 are the praise. I read earlier, verses 15 through 23 is the prayer. The first of two extended prayers we find in this short letter. For our purposes of defining who will be in 2023, I want to... I and who we are in Christ i want to give you three blessings in verses 3 through 14 about that we have as believers paul writes without using the word he describes the trinity he describes about the father son and the holy spirit now words of caution here we're going to talk about the deep things and significant and important things and one of these is the trinity don't be afraid to believe in the trinity but the caution is how you explain it. Because if you think you've got the Trinity figured out, well, you're probably wrong. But this we know. We serve one God. and We know him in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Paul does something very appropriate for us when it comes to some of these things that are difficult for us to understand. He does help us to understand, but he's primarily writing these things for the attributes of God so that we might bring him praise. Thus, Praise God from whom all blessings flow because the Father has chosen you. you have got some notes for just now to them, I realize. But the Father has chosen you. Look at verses 4 and 5. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Are, are there any words in those verses that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Chosen? Predestination, maybe? Well they probably they they, they're not. I get asked all the time, preacher, do we believe in predestination? Say, well, we believe in the Bible, don't we? And predestined again is used in verse eleven, so let's not cut this part out of the Bible maybe to make us not wonder or worry, but but remember who this letter is written to? It's written to believers. The church, all believers are among the elect without being among the elite or among the exclusive who are not wanting all to come to know Christ. So let me ask you, do you want more and more people, do you want all people to come to know Jesus and be able to go to heaven? Sure you do. If you're a believer of the Lord Jesus, well, you're no better than Jesus, are you? For whom it is said, the Lord is patient, not wanting any to perish, but for all to be saved. So another word of caution, we're trading in deep waters and if you think you've got it all figured out about the sovereignty of God, His foreknowledge and His omniscience and even all those of us who are believers are among the elect. And at the same time, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish. If you've got it all figured out, I think you're thinking a little bit too much of yourself. Because see, there are some mysteries about God that we can't quite explain how God does want all people to be saved. All people can be saved but at the same time. Those who are saved or certainly among the elect. But no, let's do what Paul does here. He accepts these things as truth and gives praise. Maybe you've seen the Capital One commercial with our good friend Charles Barkley and they're deciding, picking teams to play basketball. Two people are to be chosen. One is Charles Barkley and the other is a little short kid that's there. And then... When the girl picks Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley turns to the kid and said, I told you she was gonna choose me. and something about choosing the right capital one or the right car to understand. But you know, we're in that commercial. We're not Charles Barkley. No, when it comes to God's choosing, we're the kid that has nothing to offer, but God still chooses us, even though we have nothing to give or nothing to offer him. It's what it means to be in Christ. It's what Jesus has done for us. You're, it, the reason we talk about these things, about the sovereignty of God and how God chooses, is to praise Him because your salvation is entirely God's doing. You had to accept the free gift. All you can do is to give Him praise. Well, the Father has chosen. The Son has redeemed you. The Son has redeemed you. Verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. The mention of the blood of Jesus reminds us of the sacrifice that was made by Jesus on our behalf. We think of Jesus on the cross. We recognize that's what we deserved. But Jesus took our place and he's the only one. Redemption comes from the word that means redeem. He's paid the price. He took our place as well. And The redemption is the only way for salvation. Forgiveness of sin is the only way that we might be able to get to heaven. It is the only way that we might be able to be the person for which we have been created to be. Anybody get a gift card for Christmas? Yeah, some of you. Yeah. Hey, I love gift cards, even though it is the easiest gift to give with very little thought. I will say that sarcastically. I really do love gift cards. Anybody ever, you know, you put Christmas away and then you can't find your gift card? I will search high and low for that gift. I'll go through weak old garbage looking for that gift card. And I'll say in my head, you know, it's only so much money. But you know, the blood of Jesus, it is the ultimate gift card. Not only for those who do not know Christ that need to accept the free gift of salvation, but for every believer who needs to work hard to get everything they can out of this free gift because it's much more than just fire insurance. Well, Father has chose you, Son has redeemed you, the Holy Spirit has sealed you or guaranteed you. Verses 13 and 14 says this. I've given you a lot of verses in chapter 1, but in Him also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. We're blessed to be able to have the Holy Spirit in our life, in every believer, in our hearts. He's our guide. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He never leaves us. He indwells us. And now, the Paul tells us, he is our guarantee that salvation will be complete in us. In short, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and that's the guarantee. You're going to heaven. It's the guarantee he'll always be with you. It's the fulfillment of the promise when Jesus said, Lo, I'll be with you always. Where do we get this notion of the Holy Spirit indwelling a believer the first as soon as you accept Christ? Well, it's right here in verse 13. When you heard the word of truth and believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sometimes you and I can really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you have today felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as we sing praise. You've come into this place. We're prepared to meet with Jesus. I hope that you have felt. But you don't always. You don't always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean he's not there. This is where faith comes in. How do you? Because it says that he is always there, that he's always with us, and we put our faith in the fact that that is true. And the Father still has chosen you. The Son still redeems you. The Holy Spirit still guarantees you, whether you feel it or not. I've heard lots of comparisons about the illustrate the Holy Spirit sealed. I think our comparisons fall a little bit short. Sometimes you hear about maybe the Holy Spirit is like the engagement ring that there's the promise of there's more to come and there. sometimes it is talked about maybe as uh, uh, down payment or earnest money in fact the word guarantee comes from where we get the word to earnest money and, uh, but in our world engagements can be broken earnest money can be lost but not in God's economy he's our guarantee you have the Holy Spirit at your beck and call from the moment that you put your faith in Jesus till Jesus returns Yes, we'll be submissive to the Holy Spirit, but that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis here, you have the Holy Spirit, so let's give praise. Verse 15 begins the prayer. I began with that prayer as we walked on stage here just a moment ago. And in verse 15, if you take a look at it, it gives a definition of a Christian. Go ahead, take a look. The definition of a Christian is faith in the Lord Jesus. It's got a demonstration of what that looks like. It is love for one another. How profoundly deep and how profoundly simple. Did did Jesus not say all the commandments are fulfilled or wrapped up in our love for God and love for others? Let's spend just a few moments, can we? Walking through the prayer that I prayed, that I read earlier and prayed earlier. And it's also, if it's okay, it is my prayer for you today because I believe it's uh, Paul's prayer for all believers. But Nate, may you know more of my appreciation for you. May, and I mean that as the pastor. May you know more of my appreciation to you. It's what Paul prayed. We read it a moment ago that he's, he thanked them for their faith and for the love that they had shown. Well, it's the beginning of a new year still. Uh, as I look back over the past year and even over the past nine years, if anything good has taken place, we recognize it's from Jesus. He gives all the praise and glory. But I'm thankful to be your pastor. I see on a daily basis your demonstration of your faith and your love for one another. Now, we're not perfect at it. We still have a long way to go. We understand. But I appreciate that. So, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means that we're in this with one another as well. Also, may you know more spiritual wisdom. More spiritual. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 says this. This out of the Christian Standard Bible. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That word revelation, we Mary read from Revelation here just earlier today. You know, it's a book of the Bible. It simply means an unveiling. And so in this case, an unveiling or revealing more about God, true spiritual wisdom comes from knowing God. You might remember the writer of Proverbs says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, I think we ought to be all about more knowledge. We ought to know more about the Bible, know more about stories in the Bible. That's, it's not a terrible thing. But that's not wisdom. Wisdom comes with the application, certainly, of knowledge. Paul prays for the church to reach its full potential, for you and I to discover who you are in Christ. And it begins with knowing Him better. It is the only way we can find wisdom. It's not for everybody. This is for those who are followers of Jesus who want to live to their full potential, who want to get understanding, get everything they can, not necessarily for themselves, but the blessings and getting involved in what God is doing. It is So we, we think that comes from by being good, following the Ten Commandments. Let's do the Sermon on the Mount, do the Golden Rule. That's how those things are accomplished, but that's not, that, that's not it necessarily. Instead, we ought to be in an all-out pursuit to be able to know God better. But also, may you know the hope found in Jesus. The hope found in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, this is not the hope like you hope you got a Christmas gift, whether you got it or not. This is an assured hope from the promises of God. What did he say about you as believers? Well, already said that you've been chosen. Now he says, hope you've been called. The hope of your calling, just like Abraham was called to go to a country that he had not been, Moses was called to be the deliverer. Samuel was called to work in the temple. David was called to be the king. Jeremiah was called... The Lord saw him in his, the womb that he was to be the great prophet of God. Paul was called on the road to Damascus in the same way you are called. May you have more hope as you discover in Christ that you have a calling. Also, may you know more about the wealth of your inheritance. Oh, we could talk a long time about this, but Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 again says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance. This prayer for the believer is that our eyes would be open to a different kind of riches. Ephesus, it was a wealthy city. You live in a wealthy city, particularly when you compare it to the rest of the world. So it's kind of important that your eyes be open to a different kind of riches that is the riches of God, not the riches of this world Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills. All oh, but he has so much more. We, we get confused sometimes between price and value. And the good news of the gospel, that's for everybody. Its value is beyond measure. And so the idea is that we'll have not better physical eyesight, but better spiritual insight into the riches of God in the days to come and discover more and more of his inheritance, which is our inheritance. Oh, may you know more of the power of his resurrection. Also, may you know more of the power of his resurrection. The prayer is not that we'll have more strength. I want to give you more No, but the prayer, I want you, because it's, it's, it's kind of important. The prayer is that you'll know his strength. He's already stronger. He's already wiser. He's already wealthier. Or the wealthiest and the strongest. And so ours is to be able to understand his power. Lots of his power has been demonstrated in the Bible throughout history. But none greater than the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's power is revealed to us. It's revealed in us as we become believers. It's revealed in us as we recognize who we are in Christ. And then we follow that. I love these verses. We read it a moment ago. You've got it in front of you. 19 and following. Talked about his resurrection. That after his resurrection, he's seated. Where's Jesus now? He's seated at the right hand in the heavenly realm, which is a place, the greatest place of authority and power and strength, which is available to us. Why would you need to know more about what it means to be in Christ? All right. If I've lost you, I want to bring you back. Just a couple of more minutes, okay? Because... Because I think this becomes important. Now let's look back to the very first of Ephesians chapter 1 where we were told the Father has chosen you. There's three little sections there. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the end of the section about the Father has chosen you, he writes this in Ephesians 1.6. Why? To the praise of His glorious grace. And then he talks about how the Son has redeemed you. And at the end of that section, he tells you why the Son has redeemed you. To the praise of His glory. And then he writes, The Holy Spirit has sealed or guaranteed you why does that be important? Why? To the praise of His glory. You know, it's always important to watch the things in the Bible that keep being repeated. It is all for the praise of His glory. You've been saved for the praise of His glory. I'm, I'm reading more children's books now. I mean, again, I guess, with grandchildren. So, you know, some of them are Bible books and you read and you come to a place and there's one on, you know, always start with creation of course and well I'm trying not to be critical of some of these, you know, but it says something like, well, God created man because God was lonely." Well, I don't find God being lonely. It's just not an attribute of God. Or, God, God created man because he needed friends or He wanted you. Well, He does want us to be friends. God created man, and He saved you. One purpose: that you might bring glory to him that you might bring praise to him. Therefore, the more you know and experience who you are in Christ, the more your life brings praise and glory to his name through your words and through your actions. The more you know and experience who you are in Christ, the more your life brings praise and glory to his name. Don't be like a person who has lots and lots of money in the bank, but they're afraid to spend it so they starve to death. Because of who we are in Christ, we have all who Christ is at our disposal. But don't let us be spiritually starving because we're not tapping into what Christ has available to us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the praise that we've been able to offer here. We know that this is one way in which we bring praise by being together and singing songs to you and even lifting up prayers and proclamation of your word. We pray that we may continue to bring you praise and glory by our actions when we leave this place. Reveal more of yourself to us than ever before. May we be in an all-out pursuit, not just today or this week, throughout this year and beyond. We pray, Father, we may continue to grow in Christ, see the changes that need to take place in us. And we pray, Father, for those who may be here today, listening today, that do do not know you as Lord and Savior, maybe they've, we pray they've received a glimpse of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We pray because of the power of the Holy Spirit, not our power, but more and more will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We thank you, Father, for your presence here. Continue to be at work even as we complete our service here and leave from this place. It's in Jesus' name we.